today we will be going over um, my project podcast. It's called COVID and Ecofascism. So we'll be going over with ecofascism super briefly. So it's a term that was coined um, as more of an ideological offshoot of the Nazis' blood and soil. So it merges naturalism and nationalism. Um, and it not only blames ecological destruction um, on Jewish, disabled, queer, and other peoples, but also viewed them as weeds that tainted the national fabric of Germany. And they evoked a lot of the British eugenics idea that Davis details. However, the use of the term ecofascism is of not only a product of the alt-right, and it breaks the historical link of liberal capitalism and it makes it into an obscure far-right ideology rather than one that is a byproduct of the extractive and exploitative nature of capitalism. The liberal version of this ideology has often centered around the fear of a growing population, and that means that the global north has to curb the growth of the global south. There's also prominent conservationists like Teddy Roosevelt that continually link together environmental issues with the protection of white nationalism, while also committing physical and cultural genocide of indigenous people, drawing parallels to blood and soil. Ecofascists are often liberals and vice versa, and it displays how the ideology is found across the political spectrum. So now that we know that ecofascism um, is inherently tied to capitalism, we need to start to discern how and when the ideology is disseminated to the public. More and more, general environmental discourse has centered around the fear of quote-unquote invasion of climate refugee, along with a desire to make sure that families in the global south shrink through pushing family planning and sterilization along with the continual pressure to make sure that the large consumption of luxury in the global north is protected while the global south is blamed for climate change. However, we also see this narrative reflected in media that we consume. Noreen writes about movies such as The Host and Hot Zone to show that the anxiety surrounding virus and disease outbreaks began in the 80s with the development of HIV and SARS. Movies began relating environmental degradation, virus outbreaks, xenophobia, and racism together. The discourse of biosecurity and containing disease in the global south explores the links of health, race, and nationalism. These narratives ignore the historical um, and neocolonial neoliberal inequalities that are presented with healthcare, wealth, and infrastructure. However, Noreen highlights how Western pharmaceutical companies both in our reality and these movies, continue to exploit and surveil the global south in hopes of making profit with the next outbreak. We also see this narrative of we are the virus when the beginning of COVID lockdowns happened. Many people were minimalizing the coalescence of tragedy and equality and the proliferation of capitalism and white supremacy under a global pandemic. The rumors of dolphins swimming up the Venice canals were enough for people to disregard the active implementation of eco-fascist policies and procedures, which we will be getting into later, because people began to reasoning began to reason <laughs> that it was humans that were the virus, and that COVID and subsequently the deaths 
of people were the remedy that Mother Nature needed. So the We Are the Virus segment of the population ignored a lot of ongoing issues that COVID created and is still creating. So we'll be going over a brief um, summary of some of the policies and procedures that have both historical um, ties and are new creations. So the first will be incarceration. So Dr. Hernandez in City of Inmates explains how incarceration was used as a genocide and eliminatory option for indigenous people of Los Angeles, um, Tongva people of what is now known. How incarceration was an eliminatory option, aka genocide of the Tongva people, the people who are indigenous to what is now known as Los Angeles. Um, she details how the trauma, the disease, the poor health care access, along with the physical conditions of incarceration, um, led to the genocide of indigenous people. And so we continue to see those issues today. When it came to COVID-19, incarcerated people were some of the people that were most fearful when it came to COVID. There are nearly 2.3 million people who are currently incarcerated in the United States, um, with 50% of those people being medically vulnerable when it comes to COVID, along with the infrastructure, along with the infrastructure that was detailed historically, the confinement of buildings with their lack of ventilation and the daily life of incarcerated people puts them at risk for transmission and exposure along with death when it comes to COVID. This shows how the settler colonialism of <laughs> this shows how settler colonialism incarceration has historically inflicted silent and invisible genocide against black and indigenous people. However, we continue to see this with mass incarceration and how it disproportionately affects black and indigenous people along with immigrants. There's also the issue of... There's also been the global responses to COVID, such as border closings in the name of biosecurity, PPE and vaccine hoarding, along with the exploitation of the global south such as Pfizer demanding sovereign assets as collateral in countries like Chile and Argentina in COVID vaccination negotiations. This shows the blame disregard for a holistic well-being of the global community as the global north has waited months to distribute aid to these countries, countries that they've been saying need to lower their populations for years now. There's also protocols at hospitals around the nation that stated that if a disabled patient who relied on oxygen support were hospitalized for COVID, that their respirators were to be distributed to otherwise able-bodied COVID patients in order to support able-bodied patients who were act while actively harming disabled patients. There are also survivors of COVID experiencing long COVID and were ignored by the medical community for months, denied access to their newly needed accommodations, and the government medical professionals and researchers are trying to catch up on learning and advising folks 
living with long COVID, but it exposes the lag and ineffectiveness of human health care to help disabled folks. People living with long COVID are experiencing ableism for the first time from their loved ones, and the continued sentiment that folks who had COVID and who are disabled are disposable, along in this case to those who survive and have long COVID, is shown as the government continually focuses on economic reopening rather than beginning to support those who were able to survive. This was just a very brief overview, and I wasn't able to make all the connections. However, I hope that there is an underlying theme that is able to be picked up on. Although not every example that I stated is inherently tied to the environment, all of it was ignored in the name of the environment. People were hearing about this news daily, yet they were rejoicing on clearer skies, fish in the Venice canals and dolphins, but at what expense? Along with all of these narratives having other eco-fascist ties, incarceration is is tied to immigration and border closing, which is tied to some people saying that immigrants who come destroy the ecosystem of the border. All of these narratives are tied together, and depending on who says it, it's appealing to people. So I hope that this podcast gives some insight on how the unexamined ideas that proliferate in our society um, can all be linked to the eliminatory and oppressive um, ideology that comes with ecofascism. fascism